Hello and welcome to another episode of Cheap Smut. My name is Katie Mizell. And my name is Carl Mizell. And this is our very special second author interview episode featuring the one, the only, the woman with more than one name, Gwendolyn <laughs> Harper. Welcome, Gwendolyn. How are you? Friends, we you? are. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you so much for for joining us. Now, for those of you who might not be uh, as familiar with Gwendolyn's work as we are, this is the uh, benevolent doppelganger of Lauren Devora. It's uh, Gwendolyn is a persona that she created so she could write some uh, hardcore romances and not embarrass her mother. <laughs> Uh, they're very spicy. They're very sweet. She always guarantees a happily ever after, even if the characters have to uh, go through a lot of hell to get there. Um, she released her zombie apocalypse romance series, which is how we discovered her. It became a bestseller. And since then, you've shifted into modern fantasy, and you're loving every second of it. Is that a fair assessment of who you are, Gwendolyn? Yes. Very much so. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes this second episode. Of, no. I will add that I, I started this pen name, like like my bio said, uh, like uh, you guys said, uh, to keep my mother from being embarrassed. And then she found it anyway. Oh. So really. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> it was it was totally defunct, um, but I kept it, and now it's just for branding. Yeah. Really. yeah. <laughs> and and did, did she mind? No, she weirdly she was into it, and then she wanted to talk to me about it, and I was like, "Mom, no, oh <laughs> no, we can't do this. Oh no, we can't have this conversation. I'm so sorry." Like she wanted to get, she read all through the, um, she read Bloody Sunrise and, and that trilogy, and like texted me immediately and was like, "I loved it." And then like the next time we were on the phone together, she was like, "And I love that scene against the tree." And I was like, "Mom, <laughs> mom, mom." Oh, mom. no. I'm going to stop you right there, Mom. Oh, uh, that's your mom. <laughs> I, I've, I've never been happier that my parents are no longer with us. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> my mom doesn't listen to this show, so she can't get mad at me if I tell her that sometimes when she drinks, she decides she wants to talk to me about that kind of stuff. And I'm every time I'm like, you got to be sex positive. you got to be sex positive for your mom. But that's your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's it's one of those things where... It, because it's fictional, like it's okay. Like I get, or it's not okay. It still squeaked me out. I was like, "Mom, we can't do this." But it, it made it a little bit more tolerable. If she wanted to talk about my actual sex life, uh, yeah. oh, "Mom, I gotta go by." Yeah. <laughs> Just hang oh no, my phone is floating away into the sun forever. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm in an infinite tunnel, and um, I'm that, that that that's what I, I I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to actually ask like if your mother or anybody has ever read your work and then crossed that particular Rubicon of going was that inspired by oh anything <laughs> I'm not I'm not asking you that question I'm asking if other no, people no 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 I'm trying to no uh, no I mean you could um, I won't <laughs> I'm trying I'm going through the Rolodex in my head I don't think so. It's possible that, oh, you know what? It was, uh, one of my friends definitely was like, so these BDSM scenes, <laughs> are oh. you, did did you do like a lot of research for this? Or was this, you know, like from personal experience? And I was like, do you really want the answer? And they're like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I regret that I asked. <laughs> How far are we going with this? I know, Um, but definitely a a review on, I think Goodreads, like straight up called me out and was like, it's so lovely to read a book uh, written by somebody in the community. And I was like, you know what? Like, (laughs) (laughs) great. Good. I'm not going to argue with it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It was very nice. It was very lovely. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like James Marsters. Everybody was like, oh, he's from the guy who played Spike on on Buffy was like, oh, everybody thought I was actually from England. And he's like, it's a garbage British accent. The worst British accent I've ever heard. Great. I know. I think um, it was also I, what really sold it was the like just general disdain for everybody and the mannerisms. I think that's what made people believe that he, he was from England, not the accent. Yeah, because you're right, the accent is not great. <laughs> yeah. Conversely, there's a very funny video of Roy Wood Jr. that floats around about how disappointed the entire black community was to find out that Idris Elba wasn't actually from Baltimore because oh, he was yeah. so great at Stringer Bell <laughs> and The Wire. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Everybody was like, what do you mean he's not one of ours? That's a British man? <laughs> he eats beans for breakfast. He eats beans for breakfast. He does. He puts beans he's on toast a like a heathen. <laughs> yeah. No offense to our British listeners. I, no, seriously, no offense. We eat weird shit here, too. People eat weird shit everywhere. Yeah. 
Full offense to our British In Denmark, they put peas and mayonnaise on pizza. It's gross. You you sounded like you had a question. I did. So we were talking about the BDSM. Those are from your more recent books. You've got, what is it, Black and Silver? Yes. So Black and Silver came out in August. And then Green and Gold came out last year. Yeah around December. Green and Gold. I haven't read that one, but I'm so I I want it's so interested in it. It's Financial Domination is a, I I've never read a Financial Domination book before and it's such an intriguing concept to me. Like the idea that someone would just get really turned on by you spending their money. <laughs> I think that's great. I know. It's great. Um and it literally came from a prompt that my friend gave me and it was because we were kind of lovingly making fun of all of the like fairy books that are out there now like specifically that are using fae yeah i love i love you know all books um that have fae but like there's such an uptick right it's kind of the like new version of uh like hunger game like dystopian yeah it's yeah dystopian and then it it crashes and there's been a huge spike in fae stuff so we're kind of like lovingly making fun of it and at one point she was like we should just like use all of the types of fae because she knows I'm a mythology nerd. And she was like, what about leprechauns? And I was like, sounds great. What about leprechauns, leprechauns, man? Mad Sweeney from American Gods? Yeah. That guy's great. Literally, that's who was kind of in my head. I could could make him like just put that on the like mental uh, whiteboard. Perfect. Yes. I and love then she him. was like, yeah, she so said great. something about like, aren't there people out there who pay like who pay women to like just be mean to them? And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, there, yeah. yes, there are. And um, I was like, oh yeah, financial dom- domination, and just the irony of a leprechaun loving financial domination, yeah, and being like infinite money and like just wants to <laughs> just wants to have some, have her spend it all. Yeah, but then and so good. it was like a weird writing prompt one day over Zoom, and I finally was like, I'm just gonna run with this, and then I turned it into a femdom why choose because I can do yeah, want. <laughs> yes, you can do whatever you want. I was gonna say that's that's that that's the beauty of fiction is that you can do literally anything you want. But then I would think it'd be funny if the leprechaun then created so much money out of thin air that he like did, did like caused an economic collapse because he depressed oh, like yeah. the fiat money. <laughs> You know. It'd be like the Mansa Musa of like leprechaun <laughs> There you go. Yes. Yes. That's that's fantastic. So then and then you have Black and Silver, which is your incubus witch romance. And that one, I've not finished it yet. Bad Katie. That's okay. It got long. I don't I don't understand. It got it ran away from me. <laughs> like I really thought this was gonna be comparable to Green and Gold. Because I think Green and Gold is maybe 300 pages Mm -hmm. 312 maybe something like that and i really thought that black and silver would be something similar and 200 extra pages later i was like what have i done myself why is this the why yeah happening i don't like it it's a big (laughs) one it is but it popped off it got some big love yeah yeah Yeah. i'm very honored like so many people seem to be really resonating with it yeah and like that just warms my heart i'm always i feel like such a nerd um when people comment on my stuff on any platform but like and I feel like a bit of a broken record because every single time I will tell people, like, I'm so honored. Thank you so much. And, like, I feel like I'm using the same phrases over and over again, but it is the truth. Like, I'm genuinely so honored mm-hmm. and so, like, amazed that, one, people even found me. And, two, that people are using their time to spend reading my stuff. So it's just, like, every single time I'm always blown away and I get very emotional about it. And people probably think I'm such a weirdo because they're, like, we're literally just saying, like, we like this book. Like, chill out. And I'm, like, no, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> no, we, we we've experienced that yeah with with like when we first decided to start interviewing authors and multiple authors yourself included were like yes please and we've had authors reach out to us who heard the episode and we didn't back when we didn't tag anybody because we didn't want to upset anybody because we didn't know how authors sure. were going to react and yeah. uh I, I think it's safe to, i mean we've talked about it at this point we we did inked as one of our first episodes by rachel renner and she yeah. sent us a voice Memo oh god that was the most terrifying inst- moment i was like is she going to just lay into us <laughs> and just call us every name in the book but no she thought it was so fun and so funny and so nice of us and we have you know become i, I don't want to say we're like we're friends with rachel but we're definitely friendly and we interact and, and message occasionally and it's like you're acting towards us the way we act towards this is not yeah. right you're we, yeah. we're the uncool people exactly no i'm supposed yeah. to be the one acting like a dork because an author talked to me not the <laughs> other way around 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm mean, just I, some I, schmo I really with a microphone. Thought, yeah. We do. I mean, I really fought the urge to start this entire thing by being like, I don't want to be parasocial about it, but you guys are my best friends and you don't know. Because um, like, you're just in the car with me all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, that's exactly. We, we, we have a, a reel yeah. that we send to per- prospective guests. It's just a little like five minutes to kind of give you a sense of what the show is about. Make sure you are comfortable coming on talking about people having sex with doors yeah, and that sort of thing. And we, we, I, I mentioned, you know, I mentioned the term parasocial friends because that's how it is. I, one of my favorite podcasts is a video game podcast called get played. I feel like I've listened to every episode for four years. I feel like I know everything about these people. I don't, but is, I think that's healthy. I think as long as you have that sort of like connection, it can become friendly you you and Kate talk rather frequently. I pop in every once in a while. I love it. I love how welcoming this community has been and how... I was just watching Jones lose his mind. I know, Jones, he's just going crazy there. I, I love how welcoming and inviting everybody has been and it continues to be. And that's... I, I don't read the books, obviously, but I love... You read some of them. I do read some of them, mm-hmm. but I... I love how everybody's just like, yeah, man, there's room for everybody here. Co-host and produce a podcast about smut, yeah. man. Come on in. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's so nice to, here. Oh, sorry. I didn't no, it's okay. No, totally. no, fine. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I think it helps that you guys are so excited. Like it shows when people are genuinely enthused by something. And when you come on and you're like, oh, we're starting a podcast about something we love, that energy just radiates. And so I think that's why people are like, oh yeah, totally. Like we love this show. We like, as soon as I listened, I didn't know. I mean, unfortunately, I didn't know about you guys until you covered my That's book. okay. Oh, no, and that's I, fine. I, I think I messaged Katie, and I was like, I'm going to, like, because I think my very first message to you was so very, like, hi, I'm not trying to, like, I don't want y'all to feel weird about an author listening to your show, because I know that that, like, blurs the lines between reader and author and all of these things and keep the boundaries, blah, blah, blah. But I, I was like, no, I'm genuinely going to listen to every episode because you guys are delightful. And it's it was, I meant oh it because it really was. But it's because you guys are so excited about it. And I think if you went on and you were like, this book sucks, then it wouldn't oh, really no. be that fun. No. It wouldn't be fun for you guys. It wouldn't be fun to listen to. But because every single book, you're like, I'm not covering it if I don't love it. So you go on to the show already loving it. Yeah. And then you're just along for the ride. Yes. Uh, this is the, I, I think I met, this is going to be a trend now. I mentioned Kevin Smith on the, the yeah, first, <laughs> uh, the, the first author, author interview, but he, he gets a lot of crap from people saying, Oh, you, you love Marvel more than DC or whatever. And he's like, no, here's the thing. If you don't hear me talk about it, it's cause I didn't like it. I'm not going to use yeah. my platform to shit on it. I'm only going right. to put good into the world and, you know, and talk about the things I like because, who wants it's it's boring mm-hmm. sarcasm and condescension uh, and cruelty as a currency i, I don't I, if i want to shit on something i'll just tell her <laughs> that's true and then she's like huh, yeah that's pretty funny and then we'll just go about yeah. our day or i'll just like we'll yeah. go into like a mini rant for like five minutes we'll just yep. get it out yeah <laughs> so i i'm curious as as an author yourself how do you blur like how do you balance you clearly must love reading your, you know, reading books yourself, but then you also write them. So how do you balance, like, how do you balance the reading of the books with the writing of the books? And then also like, how do you have that fear of, or do you fear compartmentalizing like, Oh man, I just read this in this other book. I can't write that in my book. That's a good question. (laughs) I know. That's why I asked it. (laughs) This is not my first podcast Um, rodeo. Yeah, no. Um, that's a, yeah well in terms of reading so I definitely go through I call them kind of like not reading diets but I definitely when I'm obsessed with my own project it's really hard for me to take in new media only because what I'm outputting and I don't want to sound like a like a really pretentious artist about it but when I'm outputting it has to like I have to kind of keep that same tone so like I listen to the same playlist I can only watch certain media that either I've seen a million times like new girl or <laughs> like something that has kind of the same resonance is what I'm writing only to keep myself in that world so I was doing like a historical fiction thing a while ago and I could only listen to like jazz and after a while I was like I'm not watching any new shows I'm not up to date on any media all of my friends are like are you good you've only been drinking gin for like six <laughs> <laughs> and it's legitimate like, concern yeah, no, gin you're is right, gross you're right, you're right. <laughs> I should maybe reel it back it's cool um and so for me like I definitely take breaks from like 
reading and, and inputting. But I do. I love reading so many cool but, – but I'm with you. I don't talk about things that I don't love. And for me, it also feels a bit um, – the word uh, uh, like kind of inappropriate if I went onto my platform and suddenly was like I loved this book or I hated this book and like I don't know I'll, t- I'll tell people about things that I love but it feels it feels like kind of going to like a convention of some sort and being like oh that guy that guy over there he sucks like uh, I don't want to do that yeah and, and I also feel like it's it's also difficult to then go on and talk about things that I love because then people will ask questions of like well didn't you love this other thing that was also written by that person or also in that same genre and it's like no I didn't but I can't tell you that yeah. <laughs> or you know what I, so it so I, I tend not to talk about the books that I'm reading also because bo- like all of my social medias are about me as an author right. so it feels a little like blurring the lines between reader and author and like I'm not a book talker like I'm, I don't go on and talk about all of the books that I'm I'm reading I'm an author, so for me, it feels a little uncomfortable. I have no idea if I'm answering your question. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> it feels a little uncomfortable. I had like 17 so, questions in that word salad, right. so don't <laughs> worry about it. But there was a good question in there somewhere, I, I felt like. Um, well, I'm, I'm not going to ask you what book or books you're reading, but do you tend to find a, a, a genre that, that, that you lean into? Do you read romance novels when you're not writing them, or do you kind of... Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. I do, I, but I also I love reading... And this makes me sound like I'm the most boring person. I love everything. So as long as it's not like a really, you know, as long as it's not a like financial tech bro bullshit nonfiction, here's how to make a million dollars off of crypto, whatever, like I'm probably going to read it. Um, but I I love dipping into different genres, especially ones that I'm maybe not familiar with. Um, if somebody gives me a recommendation, I, I also take my friend's recommendations to heart because they know me. And they know me better than my mother does. So if they give me a recommendation of like, I think you would like this, I'll probably read it. Whereas if I just see something on the, you know, if I see a bus ad or if I see somebody like random talking about it, maybe not so much. But if my best friend is like, I just finished this book, I love it, then I'm yeah. Um, but yes, I read romance novels. I also like, I have a love-hate relationship with my own genre because I feel like Maybe, actually, no. That seems a bit too critical. But I, I feel like when I do read romance novels, it's really easy to get into the mindset of like, why didn't you do it this way? Or why did you have to write this in such a like toxic way? Or in such a like, why did you have to try to make it edgy? Why couldn't they communicate? Where's the safe word here? Like, he's about to put a belt around her neck. Maybe they should talk about it. <laughs> yeah. like, and I, I start to pick it apart in that way. Yep. It was yeah. a, yeah. a, del- a deleted scene. Well, I don't know if you experience this as much as I do. We both come from theater backgrounds. We both have d- theater degrees, went to college for well, it. Yeah, I did theater too. There you go. So, I, Is that why we're instant best friends? Because uh, we're all just ex-theater uh, nerds. Probably. <laughs> uh, I, I don't like going to watch a lot of theater because I'm doing that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Y- you not so much. I am I am very good at like, like just suspending all of my disbelief. I'm re- I, or like compartmentalizing things. So like, like when it comes to books, I can read shit like the really toxic stuff or th- or like mm-hmm. the really dark stuff. I'm reading um, mm-hmm. that sick love right now, which is oh, yeah, very dark, and all that. I'm like, none of this is appropriate for real humans to ever do to each other. Sure, but this is fiction, or like, for so for like when we're watching a play, this is. You're making different choices than me, but I love this story enough that I'm okay with it, you know? Yeah. Sorry, our dog has my favorite hat, and he's being a real piece of shit about it right now. (laughs) Fucking dick. How old is he again? He's like eight months. He's like eight months, yeah. Yeah. He's still a baby, and he- Everything is a toy. Yeah, everything is a toy, and his mouth must go on everything, and- Always. Yeah, and- Mm. The bite or the nipping, the hand nipping. You might have to do oh. a crate break because he's getting a little out of hand near the equipment here. Yeah. Yeah, you talk to her. I'm going to go crate this big boy. Okay. Bye-bye, buddy. Go take a nap. So I guess um, moving on with our uh, author interview question. <laughs> um, so we usually like to ask about people's processes. So, like, how, how do you go about uh, when you start a new project? Or do you just, like, fly into it? Do you plan? Do you pants? Do you... Oh, man. I, I wish I was a planner. <laughs> I try so hard. And like when I get to, so I think it's usually when I get to about 
three quarters of the way through. <clears throat> Excuse me. I get about three quarters of the way through any project, and I already because every project that pops into my head, I know it has legs if I have been introduced to the characters, and I can tell the like beats of the story and how it's supposed to end. So as long as I know where I'm going, mm-hmm. it's like okay, great. Then I'm just along for the journey. Um, but when I get three quarters of the way through, I start to write out like okay, chapter whatever. These are the scenes that need to happen. Literally every single time I do that, the story is like, haha, you fool. And just like does whatever <laughs> and does whatever it wants to do. Yep. And so the like the amount of writer notebooks that I have where I have outlines of like the last act of each book. And it, that's not what happens in the book. Those conversations don't happen. Those characters don't get their arcs resolved. What are you talking about? And it's so silly. And I'm like, I have I've played myself yet again. Um, and I and I do it every single time. Um, but when I start a book, usually, and I, it feels very like, um, it feels like I'm eavesdropping on a conversation. Like when I, when I start a project, it feels like two people have popped up in my bedroom or living room or whatever, and they're just talking. And usually it's like mid-sentence. They're just talking. And I'm like, who, sorry, who's here? Who's talking? Who are you? What is your, what's happening? And then through their conversation, I pick up details. And I'm like, oh, you're this person. You're this person. Here's your, and so I tend to take notes on dialogue first. And so I have all these Word documents on my computer of like scenes that are written out like a play or like a, like a screen script. And it's just character A, character B, you know, names, whatever. And little bits of, like, tags for things of, like, okay, he's walking across the room or he's doing this or whatever. Tone. But it's just the dialogue. And then I flesh it out with, what world are we in? Do they have magical powers? Is one a werewolf? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> and, like, figure it out. <laughs> um, but, it, but I like it that way because it, it, it keeps me engaged. I think if I knew, I think if I planned out everything too much, I would get bored. Mm-hmm. And I've been tested for ADHD four times, and they tell me I don't have it, but like I'm starting to question because <laughs> some of the stuff that I do, I'm like, I'm pre- guys, I think I have a touch of it. Like, there's no way. I, I, I think getting tested four times is engaged. pretty much a sign. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Seriously. Like if I if I don't have that reward of like, oh, I get to find out a new thing every time I sit down to write, like I, then I get I get bored. I planned out one full project once, and I never touched it again. Like I went, I did the whole thing. Yeah. Of like. I try, I like, cause I, I was around too many planners and they all were like, you need to play. If you want to win Nano, done Nano seven times, failed at all of them. Um, <laughs> they were like, you want to win Nano, you have to plan everything out. So I did. I took all of the month of October and planned everything out. And when November 1st hit, I was like, well, I, I'm done now. Like I, I essentially wrote it. Right. Well, it yeah. Cause the, the project <laughs> became the plan, not the book. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All right. I, so. I have been diagnosed with ADHD and that shit is legit. That is legitimately what happens if you sit down and you make a plan. Well, now you're done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there has to be. And I want to feel engaged with it, too. Like, I want, I still like figuring out, like, what my conversations are, even if we are in the last act of whatever it is that I'm writing. Um, I just enjoy it. Like, I enjoy the... I don't know the the mystery the discovery the all of that mm-hmm. if i'm talking too loud if my volume needs to change nope you're fine okay good um i got self-conscious because i could see the little weed on the side <laughs> and I, know, I have a really loud laugh i also have a podcast with my friend eric and i do the editing for that and it is you have a, a podcast of, yeah so it's a it's like a hit, uh, history and literacy or literacy literature podcast and um we just talk about like moments in history that we're both like this was bonkers. Can you believe? So we, it's, um, it's the speakeasy with Lauren and Eric and we just cover stuff. It's, it's a lot of fun. I, That's well, amazing. Well, I I'm going to add it to my list I, I, right I was going to say, we got to have oh a cheap God. smut, uh, the speakeasy, uh, podcast crossover. Yeah. Oh my God. I would love that. I would do that. Yeah. I would absolutely. So cool. Because this, I'll, I'll pitch it to Eric. This is something that is, oh, I, I've, I've joked about with my best friend, Rob many, many times is uh, like something similar, like weird history. And we we have been obsessed for years with the first time somebody looked at a penis and was like, I'm gonna put that in my mouth. <laughs> like that had there had to have been a first time. And mm-hmm. and I, I think that is a historically significant moment 
that we need to get to the bottom of. Well, it happened before pre-recorded human history, so you're never going to get to the no, bottom of that shit. I know. We Sorry. Can, I mean, if we can figure out, like, the first homoerotic overtone story, which was Gilgamesh, I think we could figure out, like, the first mention of oral sex in literature. See? Why not? You're speaking Carl's <laughs> language right now. Yeah. See, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've laid the groundwork for our crossover episode. Yes. No, just tell Eric what's happening. Computing completely. Uh, where where did you come up with your pen name? Like what 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 was the like? I, I'm curious. Like I I know like there's like oh the street you grew up on and also something else or so you know like there's different formulas for it. Where did you uh, dig up Gwendolyn Harper? Yeah, Unfor- unfortunately, Gwen- I don't think Gwendolyn Harper is quite like the porn star stripper name that it probably could it could have done like Diamond whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, no, I just I've always loved the name Gwendolyn. And I've always loved the name Harper. Um, and I love them enough that I was like, it, it was on like, you know, when you're like a little girl and you're like, when I have children, these will be the names on the list or whatever. And I guess those were just names that over time I didn't feel like I would ever name my kids that. But I was like, I still love these names. So I just mashed them together. Um, and unbeknownst to me, there is another author with the same name. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. And I really? feel so bad for Oh, you know, because you're uh, producer Carl. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I feel so bad for this woman. Like, I feel like I've accidentally messed up her entire Goodreads page because they Goodreads keeps linking her very, it seems very lovely. It's like a, a collection of, like, essays and poems or something about, like, I don't know, ju- justice or something. I don't even really remember. But it's, like, so, like, off. Not It's not what I do at all. And Goodreads keeps connecting it to my page. So it looks like, <laughs> it looks like oh, no. I have all these smut books and then just a random collection of poems. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, humanity. she's <laughs> like, a very nice one. I, I, she has like an MFA from Brown. Oh wow! Like yeah, yeah it's it's like she's yeah, uh, you know, highfalutin. None of that smut stuff for for that other Gwendolyn Harper. No, her author photo is like her outside in a scarf, yeah. and I'm like, oh, look at her, <laughs> she's so sweet. What have I done? I wish I could pull off a scarf. <laughs> oh my god, she doesn't. She doesn't look like she's fueled by caffeine and. And sweaty naps, like <laughs> I know, I know. Like I'm such a gremlin compared to her. Like what is happening? That that that's her. Oh, she does look lovely. She does Doesn't look, she look lovely. lovely. She she won a national endowment for the arts fellowship and a work in progress grant from the Robert B. Silvers Foundation for a Last Supper of Queer Apostles. Oh wow! But if you scroll down Maybe. half an inch, there's black and silver. There's hey. black and silver. <laughs> People are no, as long as we're all on the same first page of Google, I guess. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so, Bloody Sunrise, Blood Moon. What is the name of the third book? Bloody Sunset. Bloody Sunset. Okay. Yeah. Richard Linklater, Eat Your Heart Out. Seriously. That's the real trilogy. That's the real before trilogy, right there. <laughs> Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. Where was where did that originate? Was it was it a prompt? Was it a pre like pre built in love of zombies? No, see, okay, I get to tell you guys a huge secret. I hate zombies. Oh, freaked out by them. Um, I have so nobody tell. Uh, I have trypophobia, which is the fear of like small holes and. Oh my god, do you Carl too? has it so bad. I, yes. I have it the worst. Dude, it's the worst. Okay, it's so bad. Did you ever watch that show on Netflix, um, Daybreakers? I believe is what it was um, called. No. Yeah. It was a, it was a post-apocalyptic like teenager thing and we had mm-hmm. to stop watching it because at, at, at like episode 5 or 6 mm-hmm. they showed uh, a zombie person who had like a bunch of like rotting holes in her back and Carl was like never again. Never again. We're not watching it. Worst. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. It definitely it freaks me out. Um and I can <laughs> I can tell if I'm too hungover because I will start to like if I look at something and it it has any sort of speckly whatever my brain will be like that's ants and it's usually when I'm too hungover. <laughs> um, but so my my brain also with zombies like I think there's a, a it was when uh, World War Z the movie World War Z was coming mm-hmm. out which is totally different than the book. I can read zombie literature. The book is great. The book is amazing. Um, the book is amazing, but the the movie is not at all like the book but, I only um, ever saw the movie the commercial the commercial for it had like it was like I don't know millions of zombies like, climbing the wall yeah. the wall yeah 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 and so when it did that it like had such a 
it panned out just enough that it was like, they all look like tiny little ants crawling all over each other. And I freaked out at the commercial. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And so zombies freak me out because it's a swarm. They'll put like millions upon millions of dead things that have no brain and just want to eat. And it's like, yes, it's a, it's a perfect metaphor for consumerism, but also, ew, <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> and I can't handle it. Um, but so when I started writing Bloody Sunrise, I was like, really, brain? Or really? We're, we're going to do zombies? And I think it was because I had watched, I, ha- I did watch The Walking Dead um, from the major insistence of like four of my friends. They were like, please watch The Walking Dead. <laughs> okay, fine. And I think I just got so... So I did listen to the episode you guys did about blood, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I, I have, I did have a comment about it, but I put a pin in that. We'll <laughs> sure. Okay. <yeah. laughs> um, but so I got so tired of the like, there was no hope, and there was no like, nothing. Tr- what felt to me realistic, like it was almost like, within two days, everybody was like, "Get fucked, humanity. We don't care." <laughs> the fact that everything fell apart so fast. Um, when, like, there, we have a, a power structure that is set up where, like, certain things, yes, like, eventually electricity will run out. But for a while, we're, we're actually okay. Like, we'll at least have a few, you know, like, mm-hmm. certain things will, will go on and, like, power generators are a thing. So, anyway, I got kind of, like, tired of the, like, Rick wakes up and it's only been a few weeks and suddenly, like, the entire world is just obliterated. And it's like, no, it would take longer than two weeks. I'm sorry, it would take longer. But I, I hated the, like just the constant you never knew if people were going to die I don't know it just it was a very depressing thing and I think my brain latched onto that and was like what if we do that but better same thing with like 50 shades of gray my brain latched onto it and was like what if we do that but like way better way better better. so I really didn't want to write zombies because I I hate them but um my brain was like no too bad too bad it's a zombie apocalypse you have to write about it and um that's why when you guys were talking about like she is putting us through the ringer. I was like, I know the middle book is probably the roughest and I'm really sorry. And that's why I kept making the joke of like, I owe everybody compensation. Like yeah. you guys, call JG Wentworth. You guys, <laughs> like, you guys are owed financial compensation. But again, I, I think the, the middle, the middle film or the middle book in the, like in a trilogy, like that should be the low point. It's like the dark night it, or darkest night of the soul. It, right? ex- like exactly. You have to like yeah. have that, that darkest night before the, the light. And I keep telling people, like, it ends with a happy ever after. It ends with a happy ever after. Like, I'm I'm not lying to you guys. I promise it ends with a happy ever after. And everybody's like, no, they're going to die. I'm like, they're dead. No, I mean, no spoiler. But, like, I promise it ends with a happy yeah. ever after. I wrote it, motherfucker. I know. I wrote it. <laughs> I mean, I went into it assuming it would. I mean, you know the basic pattern of, of a romance novel is always going to end with things being okay maybe not always perfect but always okay so yeah. i'm like i know it's coming i know everything's gonna be all right but right now right now there's a three-year-old who's about to be tested on by military doctors like what uh. i know I, it's the it was interesting i think when it when you guys covered the first book called it a romance horror novel and i was like did I write a horror novel? Oh my god! Like I didn't even realize. <laughs> I would call I it a horror because... novel. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. Like after after I listened to that, I was like, oh yeah, you're right because like there's a lot of horror elements in it. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of like gore. There there is a lot of bleakness. Um, and just my brain latched onto no, but this couple stays together yeah. and they're happy. Like I promise, it's all, like, it's all love each other. There's no breakup. There's no third act breakup. Don't worry. How is this a horror novel? Thank you. No. <laughs> anything is a horror novel if it scares you yeah you know yeah that is true. like those like that you mentioned the crypt like how to get rich off a crypto bro. horror novel the horror novel god. absolutely me stuck in an elevator with a crypto bro that's my nightmare there, like, god. there you go there's your there's your next novella you get stuck you get stuck in an elevator with a crypto bro the elevator breaks and the elevator is sentient and comes to <laughs> and eats him <laughs> <laughs> In the crypt- and then me and the elevator run off together. Hell yes. <laughs> because that guy's still a crypto bro. Oh, my yes. God. <laughs> so Hell you, yes. So Such you, an elevator romance, please. You wanted to yell at us about something we said in the episode, I believe is oh, how no, you worded it. no, not yell at you. <laughs> no, definitely not, no, definitely not yell at I, you. Okay. Um, I did. It was, um, I listened to your Blood Moon episode, and uh, at one point, I, I don't remember exactly what prompted it, but you guys 
compared me to Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. And I'm, oh, I need you guys to know that I stared at my, I like searched for the camera. Like, I looked. Did I like, Jim from on. the office. I just stared at my wall. I stared at my wall for a good 30 seconds and I was like, do I have to go walk into the ocean? <laughs> I cannot. Just gonna stick rocks in my pocket and go walk off <laughs> into the Atlantic. Um, but it, because I, Cormac McCarthy and I, it, I mean, is he dead yet? I think he not. just died uh, recently, it, like this he died year. Recently, um, R.I.P. Cormac. But uh, I would throw hands. Like if I saw him in Denny's parking lot, I want to fight him in a Denny's parking lot <laughs> from the he, top rope. Just bam. From the top- <laughs> you know, I don't know if that was Cormac McCarthy speed. I think Charles Bukowski would fight you in a Denny's parking lot, but uh, oh, yeah. No, Car- apparently Cormac McCarthy was a very nice man. Uh, Bukowski but, um, would probably like have an erection concerned. while he fought you in a Denny's parking lot. <laughs> oh, I broke Carl. <laughs> Be- you know, because Cormac McCarthy had a, a, a vendetta against me, he died this year on my birthday. Did he really? Yeah, he died on my birthday. Uh, maybe it was oh. just a really nice present for your birthday. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a huge it, Cormac McCarthy fan or anything, but I just think that that's like very Cormac McCarthy of him to just die on my birthday and be, like, <laughs> be sad about it. If it was going to be somebody's gift, it would have been mine. I think <laughs> yeah. on my birthday. You just so, you just no, don't I'm like sure him. He's a lovely person. I'm sure he. I, yeah. Sorry to the McCarthy uh, found, uh, estate. They, they listen. Sorry. They're huge fans. Oh, I'm man. sure. I'm sure. The widow McCarthy Oops. loves us. <laughs> She's typing up on her typewriter. <laughs> she's gonna have a... She listens to podcasts but doesn't have a laptop. No, nope. so she has to go to the typewriter. <laughs> have this um... delivered to Smutco. <laughs> By a carrier pigeon. <laughs> oh my god. If a carrier pigeon ever showed up for like with anything, I would do whatever it said. Like if a bird delivered me a message, I would just do it. Right. Because a bird yeah, delivered me a message. This is how Hogwarts starts. Yes. This is how you go to Hogwarts. We got uh, way off the, the the beaten path there. So you, <laughs> what are you what are you working on right now without giving away too much? Are are you working on anything right now? Oh. Yes, I am. I'm working on the follow-up novella to Green and Gold. Um and I I heard everybody. I like everybody was super lovely about it. And I think the one thing that everybody was like hi, excuse me, you forgot something, and it was, like, the sharing, because it is a why choose, but it's a why choose that, like, develops a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. And so when they do finally all get together, they end up in, like, polyamorous relationship with all three of them. And I was planning on writing a follow-up anyway, and I just was like, oh, well, I'll just, like, get canceled. I guess. <laughs> I'll just do it now. Because more, more people, hey, come back. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, finish this. What are you doing? Come back. <laughs> We wanted more. You wrote a why choose. You wrote a why choose without everybody getting naked together. Well, so it happens once. Okay. And it because it was I I really liked the aspect of like effectively the female main character um, chooses to do sex work because she's now financially dominating this leprechaun and her journey with that and she's like falling in love with like she meets them essentially at the same time and so she's falling in love with both of these people. And she's like, I don't, what, <laughs> wait, this wasn't supposed to happen. This was supposed to be like a side gig. And he was eventually supposed to like go back to Leprechaun Land or whatever. And then this guy I was probably going to move back to the States because it's set in Ireland. And so I think I, I just liked the, the mental like everything more, not more than, but I just enjoyed the process of her falling in love with both of these men and then eventually them being like, hey, we're cool with it. Like we're both bisexual. It's fine. <laughs> and her being like, Oh my god, this is my this is my happy ever after. I get to watch my boyfriend's bone. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Don't look at me. Um, I'm looking at you. Say, I'm and happily monogamous now. I know. Right. I didn't so mean for it, that to sound disappointed. A... I really oh. am not. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified because you did sound I'm sorry. I am not disappointed. Pecanio <laughs> promise. Dis- Pecanio I think, disappointed. I think there's like a tiny little part of me that's disappointed that you didn't come out as bi until after we were married and monogamous. <laughs> yeah. I, well, you know, so, sometimes. Self journeys are hard. Yeah, I was just going to say. It I, took you a long time to figure out. I'm not saying like it's a problem. No. I just uh, spent a lot of time going. Eh. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there. It's always the resigned, like, oh, I, 
was me at least when I when I figured out that I was pansexual. I was like, oh yeah, the signs are all there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then you do that fun montage in your brain where you go back and revisit moments in your life through this new filter, and you go, oh, it was there yeah. all along. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like oh, I didn't. I didn't just have like really intense female friendships because I was best friends with all of them. Like, <laughs> I also wanted to kiss them. <laughs> yeah. Sleepovers didn't feel awkward for me at all. Like this No. I mean it was only awkward when they told you to stop being weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please, you're being too weird. I've I've had people say that to me and it it never gets easier to to hear. So when was there a point where after your what was your first book? What was the first thing you published? So the very first thing I published was under my my legal name, um, Lauren Devora, and it's Children of Lilith. And I started working on that. I've been writing for pretty guys. Uh, <laughs> I started working on that when I was fifteen. Hell yeah! So I I had the idea. Now I didn't publish it when I was, um, but I started working on it. And I don't know, it just, like, it happened exactly like how every other project happens where this character just started talking to me. And I was avoiding my math homework, so I was like, sounds great. Um, <laughs> so I just started writing writing it all down. And I, because I was 15, and I didn't have a laptop, like, it, no matter, like, I didn't have anything really other than loose-leaf notebook paper. So I hand-wrote the first uh, draft of my, of Children of Lilith. I hand-wrote oh, it. Um back and front on in pencil like mechanical pencil um through i think i I started 15 16 yeah so about about a year and then i don't know what happened i had like a probably a breakdown um (laughs) i just remember like one day being like rereading what i had written and going oh i hate this and this isn't the story like i just knew it didn't feel right there wasn't like the grain of truth had been lost and i was like oh this isn't the story and so I literally just threw it away. Like, I just chucked, oh. like, it's in a dumpster. So it's in a landfill. Like, R.I.P. <laughs> like, it's been gone forever. But I I just started fresh. And I was like, okay, I already know the characters. I know, like, these main plot points. Just start new. So uh, by that point, my grandmother had gifted me a laptop. So I was using, like, an old gateway. Ooh. You guys remember gateways? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I had to get, like, a chunky-ass gateway computer. And that was my first, like, Oh, I have I'm, I have a laptop now, and so I wrote a, another draft. Hated it, but I didn't I didn't hate it, but I hated it, and I just started it again. And so I rewrote the book like four times. And by that point, you know, I had lived years of life and graduated high school, went to college, and did all these things. And I finally was like, oh, okay, yeah. It, so it took me about ten years to write that book, um, just because I kept writing it and rewriting it. And then figuring out, like, oh, this is the story. And, yeah, so that was the very first thing I published. But it, and then everything after that. It doesn't take... No. I'm not George R. R. Martin, I promise. Well, that, I was, I, 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 you said something earlier about about fans demanding that. And I was like, I was going to call you the George R. R. Martin of smut. But I don't think that's fair. <laughs> uh, well, the reason, the reason I was asking that question was because I, I was going to ask, at what point did you really feel like writing was something you wanted to commit to? Just like, even if it wasn't like, I'm going to be a professional and I'm going to quit my day job, but when did you know that this was something that you had to do? Um, I think it's a two, I think it, it it's a two points in timeline. Um, because when I look back on it, I've always been a writer. Like I was always writing stories. I was like three and had colored pencil. The dog goes to the store or whatever, like tiny little things. Um, and I, when I was 12, I also tried to write a, uh, a murder mystery from the perspectives of three dogs. <laughs> I'd watch that. I would read or, that. Or read, that sounds I, amazing. I, I, would, I would like to see it in an animated <laughs> film, but I'd also it read the book a, first. I think it would make an interesting morbid children's TV show of like, let's solve a mystery, a murder. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's solve a murder, but we're dogs. But, that but we're dogs. That's something Neil dogs. Gaiman would write, like. For sure. And the murders are grotesque. And the murders are grotesque. Yeah. <laughs> but it, 
because it's the, from the perspective of dogs, they don't know what like viscera is. So they're just like, I don't know. Like, stuff is just on the floor. One goes over and tries to start sniffing it and licking it. Ugh. Yeah. Get out of here. You're compromising the crime scene. <laughs> Ruining the evidence. <laughs> don't eat the evidence. So like when I look back on it, I was always writing stuff like that. Like I was always, you know, I always wanted to escape. Should have been a sign. Um, I wanted to escape. I was always doing stuff. But when I really started writing Children of Lilith, I think I was like 16. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm actively like, this is something that really just takes up all of my, my brain space. And like, like I was such a nerd, you guys. I would, I would ditch school when I got my license and I could drive myself. I would ditch school not to go do anything illegal. I would go to Barnes & Noble and get like a Frappuccino and, and sit at, a, at the cafe and write and read and like, then leave in time to get home at the same time that I would have if I <laughs> had gone to school. And then I, my mom would be like, how was school? And I was like, it was great. <laughs> All I did was hang out and bark at the wall. <laughs> it was great. I had a Frappuccino. I didn't. Why did I say oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> I had a flunked a math test. Java I'm not going to talk about it. Chip. Uh, computer class. <laughs> <laughs> God. Really? I was just self-educating a uh, word processor. Like, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I was just teaching myself typing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I definitely, it was it was the only thing that I really cared about. And then um, I think the, the, like, true moment, the, like, true answer to your question is I was a junior in college. And, like, I had studied abroad. I'd had, like, a, a personal family tragedy. And I think just, like, something, like, kind of clicked in my brain where I was, like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I, like, they were forcing me to take, like, intro classes um, because, you know, when you study abroad, like, you have to make up all these things, right? And so I was, like, I'm, I'm in an intro to poetry class with a guy who looks like a stand- – like, my professor, I, if I had to give a generous estimate, was 97 years old. <laughs> <laughs> like, he looked like if you stood a frog up on its hind legs and put him in pants. Like, I don't understand oh, what this guy's deal was. And he was the one, and he was so, like, misogynistic and weird. And, like, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm I'm having to talk about Robert Frost with this guy? And it just really drove me crazy. And I had a, a different advisor, thank God. But there was a moment where I was, like, sitting out in the hallway waiting for my advisor to finish one of his other meetings. And I overheard him talking to this student and he was essentially talking about how he he had gotten a a book offer he was an author as well and he was talking about how he had been talking to his agent and he had told his agent this is the story i have had this story in my heart for 20 some years and this is what i want to to write means so much to me and blah 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 and apparently his agent was like that won't sell you have to write something else and so he just said oh okay i guess that's that's just it and i had already gone to him by with essentially being like, hey, I, I already wrote a book. <laughs> like, so it's part of a creative writing program, the concentration program. And so the whole purpose of that was either when you graduate, you're either supposed to have a collection of short stories, a collection of poems, or three chapters of a novel. And so I'm go- like literally going to this same advisor going, I wrote a book. And he did, he misheard me. And he was like, oh, you wrote your three chapters. And I went, no, 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 I wrote a book. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> It's done. What do I do? And the look on his face was like, it was as if I'd walked in and been like, I'm an alien from Mars. Can you please explain to me, where is the cafeteria? And he's just like, what is happening? What is a cafeteria? Um, <laughs> like, it, just, it was so, it was such an awkward, like, no really moment. And he, just the blank look on his face. So anyway, um, and then I overhear this conversation with this other student and I was like, I'm sorry, am I supposed to be taking life advice from somebody who is letting another person tell them what they can and cannot write? Like, am I supposed to be basing my career off of this conveyor belt of what people think is, like, what creatives are supposed to do and, like, just follow these templates and you'll be successful? And essentially my entire worldview just crumbled around me. And I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I already know what I want to do. I don't want to get a degree that then I, like, I, I was having people daily ask me, do you want to teach? No, I don't. (laughs) No, I cannot be a teacher. And, like, it just felt like everybody around me was telling me what I should and shouldn't do. And I think I just snapped. I was supposed to be writing, like, a Southern literature paper. And instead, I just had a breakdown on my kitchen floor for, like, three days. And was like, I can't do this. And so I 
it then was that moment of, okay, I don't want to be in school anymore. What do I want to do? Well, I want to, I want to pursue this. So I just, I just dropped out. <laughs> I left school and I said, you know what, if I'm going to be doing, I, and I also felt bad. I was like, I'm wasting everybody's time. I'm wasting everybody's money. This is so stupid. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to give myself a fair shot. And so I pursued publishing. And then I realized I could do it myself. And this was back in 20, I, I left school in 2012, 2013, but I published it in 2016. So I learned like the ins and outs of publishing, what to do, how to do it, you know, all of that. Of course, worked six jobs and, you know, <laughs> I was killing myself and <laughs> working in restaurants. But um, I did that and like, I realized how much I loved it. And when I put out my first book, it was so satisfying. And I was like, probably nobody's going to read it, but it was so satisfying. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And then people did read it. And then people wanted the sequel. And now I'm here talking to you lovely people. <laughs> <laughs> it's the circle it's of smart. That way. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're very glad that you're here talking to us. Of course. No, that was a that was a heck of a story. Now, do you, do you still hold down a day job without, I mean, without giving too much away? I don't want you to. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard, especially like the economy is garbage fire. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it is it is currently very difficult to be a full time artist yeah I yes feel like. um but you know there are some months where like i feel like i'm i'm sitting pretty and it's like oh yeah okay like we're doing good i i tend to do better but i also like having other not site i don't want to call them side gigs but like i do other things like mm-hmm. i have you know i creative mentoring thing that i do and i, I help other people pursuing their passions and i'm also a tarot reader and like so there's all these like little other things that i do that feel like they are my jobs like side jobs. you know they're like side quests no no absolutely no i mean I, I i used to have a podcast about that very thing talking about how how hard it is to have a career in the arts and how most people have to maintain a day job on the side i was just curious from the standpoint of if you had like a traditional you know quote unquote day job where if your coworkers knew what you did on the side but you no. don't have that problem <laughs> No, thankfully. I mean, I, I am a part-time nanny, and um, it, it's – so his his mom is in publishing, and so we, like, connect on things, and she knows what I do, but, like, my coworkers are my dogs. <laughs> I, <laughs> They're like, when's dinner? You're going to feed me soon? Okay, great. <laughs> I wish. I, I mean, I, I'm very lucky. I, I have, like, a work-from-home job that's pr- primarily work-from-home, mm. but I still wish – I've said this many times. Like, I the, the things that I love about making this show – I love the editing and coming up with ideas and that sort of thing. I wish I could just do that forever. Yeah. But I obviously can't. Yeah. Well, somebody's got to pay the it's bills. And yeah. It ain't going to be me. Yeah, and it, it's hard to, like, trust that your passion can, like, uphold you, right? Like, and I think that's why a lot of people don't follow. Because I've talked to so many people who, who say, like, oh, I would love to be an artist or a writer or, you know, whatever. And the thing that stops them is obviously money but it's the security and it's the feeling of like the thing that they are passionate about has an audience because like and then that that's when I turn around and I go I'm the weirdo that has known since she was 15 that she should be a writer and is just sitting here waiting for like the money to flow in right like I'm just kind of like hey now I've been doing this for a while but like you don't have to do that with your passion like your passion can just be the thing that you enjoy it doesn't have to be the, the thing that also is supposed to Mm -hmm. so like i realize that i'm the weirdo that's like i'm super passionate about literally the like the thing that i feel like i was born to do and this is the only thing that i love doing the most out of all of the things and i've tried a bunch of them and like this is the thing but like i know that i'm the weirdo amongst the weirdos so like i never want people to feel like they have to give it all up and live in a van and be a writer because also it's not cute you know like i i hate that fucking Jack Kerouac and all those people made it seem like oh it's so fun and bohemian and artsy and like no oh, it's yeah. scary yeah it's scary and, and then like, John the reason Larson that they were all drunk and on drugs is because they couldn't have they didn't have enough food to they didn't have enough money for food <laughs> so like, they were just like I'll just numb the pain how romantic like, yeah for real yeah exactly <laughs> so, and, then, and then it happened with it happened with rent in the 90s or the early 2000s and Bohemian Chic became a thing, and then everybody was like, "Oh yeah, starving artists again." Like, no, the first word is starving. Yeah, I know that you do that for long enough, you die. 
And then there are people yeah. out there going, I love artists. You can pay them an exposure and they're happy for it. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's weird, too, because I, I do have a lot of, like, even friends of mine will still, I think they have it in their minds that, like, being a writer is so chic and so interesting. Oh, you must just, like, flit about your house in a caftan with, like, a half-smoked <laughs> cigarette. And, like, your floor must just be covered in, like, half-drunk bottles of wine. And are you having, like, all these artist parties? And, like, are you friends with all these other performers and people? And I'm like, no, I'm unwashed. Uh, what is this? 1912? <laughs> I'm not Zelda Fitzgerald. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm like, I wish she was fucking badass, but like, I'm not, no, I'm in a hoodie that I've worn eight days in a row. I'm unwashed. My lunch was black coffee. What are you expecting from me? And then I just go off on like, I'm a feral gremlin. Like, yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't no, leave my home. Glamorous. My shower is bone dry. <laughs> oh. Just do a like another coat of deodorant and just hope that it's fine again my coworkers and my dogs they don't care they roll in dead stuff in the yard like they don't mind <laughs> why do you always smell like dry shampoo <laughs> see I, I i know what's going on the first time i learned about dry shampoo i was like that's not a real thing <laughs> that can't possibly be a real thing and now you live with a woman who sprays it on her head like every other day exactly <laughs> We are closing in on the on the uh, the end of the interview here, and I, and it has been a goddamn blast. Uh, I always know it's a good time when we're we're right below our our oldest child's bedroom here yeah. in our den, and I'm like, oh, I hope we don't wake him up. So <laughs> that's a good sign. I I had an absolute blast. I'm sure you did. Oh as my god, well. I'm so delighted. I'm I'm having such a good time right now. I'm gonna go. I know, me too. Yeah, we should do this more often i mean not necessarily yeah. interviews but we should we should talk more often it's sort of like this so you've you've got uh let's see here you've got black and silver friends. which is your latest you be my best friends. <laughs> no, that's fine that's great we're yeah. cool with that <laughs> the first time you said that i was like do you want my phone number <laughs> i've got hers i'll give i'll, I'll give it I'll oh give it sweet to you. yeah yeah um so there you go uh you've got I'm gonna start sending you so many unhinged memes <laughs> oh i can't wait oh excited i try like when we dm i try to be cool like i try so hard i'm like okay be normal be be your version of normal be be okay don't be normal don't freak anybody out and then i really was like before this interview i get to talk to like my car best friends like they have no idea car best friends i cook i cook my meals and i am in my car with you guys car best well we we have you're the you're the only author i think that we've covered twice on the show uh, technically, uh, we did Catherine Moon twice, right at the very beginning. Oh, that's beginning. right. We did do. Ca- oh, okay. Yeah, we did do two yeah, Catherine I mean, Moons. Worthy. <laughs> there you go. So you're in great company. Yeah. Uh, you've, your latest release is Black and Silver and Incubus Romance, and you've got an upcoming novella, Green and Platinum, which we talked about, which is the follow up to Green and Gold. And we found out that you have a podcast. Uh, re- refresh everybody's ma- memory. Uh, re- say the name of the podcast again. Oh yes. So it's uh, it's the Speakeasy with Lauren and Eric, and we talk about literature and history weird stuff that we are like hyper fixated on and we're currently on like a little bit of a hiatus because like we have such a backlog of episodes that i'm i have to edit but <laughs> uh yeah the like third season is coming out soon oh so. cool and you can yeah. i mean you could at least find it we, we it was you find it on, and that's pop- on spotify yeah you can find yeah. it yeah spotify, i'm, I'm uh, gonna track down your rss uh so i can get it into the podcatcher that i use yep and, yeah. and, and we'll link it in the show notes uh, to this episode. So if anybody wants to go and find it, yeah. you can go do that as well. And uh, yeah, Gwendolyn Harper, thank you so much for joining us here on Cheap Smut. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is so fun. This was, this a, was like the best. a great time. I If I wasn't so very interested in, in going to sit in my chair because I'm so tired, I'd be like, do we have to stop? Well, I'll give her. It's okay. A, I, I'll come back. I'll give you her number and then you guys can carry on the conversation that Yay. way. But like I said, I'll just I'll figure out how to like make a uh, what was it? A tater tot hot dish. Is that what you guys said? <laughs> yeah. I'll figure out how to make a tater tot hot dish and I'll just show up at Thanksgiving. Oh, I mean, you guys will be like, how did you get our address? Don't worry about don't, it. Yeah, brought- don't worry about <laughs> it. You can show up at Thanksgiving. Um, a tater tot hot dish is gross, though. So don't. 
Oh, okay. Because uh, well, they usually... Have to, okay, but well, you're not. Text me the recipes of good things to bring. Oh, to I definitely <laughs> will. I'm a big cook, so I'll I'll text you all kinds of recipes. But um, yeah, no, a tater tot hot dish involves tater tots, usually um, either ground beef or hot dogs, depending on who you're talking to, uh, cream of mushroom soup, uh, some kind of shredded cheese, or Velveeta. It, it sounds <laughs> like the grossest thing. Is this from Wisconsin? I'd, Did Wisconsin make this up? It's, it's definitely a Midwest thing. I feel thing. like it's a Midwestern thing. It has to be. And it's just, you know, Wisconsin it gets Minnesota. cold up Wisconsin here. Centers. We need hearty but. food. <laughs> yep. It's all, you guys like subsist on nitrates and. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Carbohydrates, like nitrates, yep. and sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do we, don't I don't remember. Did we sign off on the last one? Yes, we did. Well, then sign us off. All right. Listener, if there is a book in you, write it. And if there's fucking in it, I'll read it. And then she'll come on the show and explain it to me for your entertainment. And then maybe we'll interview you after the fact. Yeah, I would love to. Gwendolyn, thank you so much. I keep calling you Gwendolyn. I will forever call you Gwendolyn. I know your name's Lauren. That's okay. You can call me Gwendolyn. (laughs) In my head, you're Gwendolyn forever. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. I had such a good time. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. (laughs) We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.